Thank you for tuning into this week's message. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about your life change. So if you have a story about how God has made a move in your life or impacted your life in any way, send an email to amen at findvelocity.org. We hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Now let's lean in and enjoy the message. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time, though, we're in week two of Find Your Circle. And what we're doing in this series is we're learning about one of the critical pieces of following Jesus, and that is church community. You got to know this. You have to follow Jesus for yourself, but you cannot follow him by yourself. God has created you to live in community. And I referenced this last week, but it's worth repeating that the good things God wants to do in your life, he's going to bring it into your life through people. Paul, when he was writing to the Ephesians church, he wanted them to see this. He says, I am praying that God would open up your eyes to see what he's called you to. And then he tells you what he's called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So the best things God has for you, the ultimate, it always comes through his people. And that's just one of the verses. There's over 20 verses in scripture that talk about that same thing of things that you cannot experience if you're not connected to a local church, if you are not part of church community. Now, church community can happen in a lot of different ways. I want to acknowledge that. But, of course, the way we facilitate that at our church is through groups. And so all I'm trying to stress to you is that we have a group for you. Whether you want to engage in a study or whether you want to talk over the sermon, there are guys groups, girls groups, there's moms groups, marriage groups, family groups, activity groups, outreach groups, missions groups. There's a Monday night football group. There's all sorts of groups. That's just a smattering. I'm telling you, if you will go look, there's a group for you. And all I'm challenging you with in this series is to find yours. Find your circle and find out what God can do in your life through Christ-centered, God-focused friendships, and community. You know, I've talked to a number of people about this, uh, just their experience in groups, and by and large, they all say the same thing. Like, you know, I know what my life was like, and I know what it's like now having found church community, having found friends that are going after the things that God has for them, and I don't want to go back. I mean, I can't imagine going back to how it used to be. And that's what I want to help you with today, because I just want to acknowledge, I mean, this series is called Find Your Circle, but sometimes we have a problem finding ours for whatever reason. Maybe it's because we've been hurt in the past. We've got some hurts in our heart that are keeping us from moving forward. Maybe it's because uh, our current situation, our current context has us timid about stepping out. Maybe it's just the fact that we don't even know that we need it. And instead of finding our circle, what we end up doing is running in circles, meaning we end up stuck, we end up running in the same patterns and the same habits and the same experiences, the same problems and never moving forward. And if you've ever had that inkling that maybe there is more for you, that, that God has more for you, that your life could be more full, that it could be more rewarding. And I'm not even talking to those of you who don't know Jesus. I'm talking to Christians right now. I'm talking to you too. 
that you, you love Jesus, you're following God, but you feel like maybe he's got something more for you, well, I wanna encourage you to pay attention to this message today because I believe that the things I'm gonna talk about are gonna help you find your circle. And the passage that I want us to look at, it's found in Luke chapter two, and I'm not gonna take a long time uh, to give you a bunch of context. I wanna jump right in and I'll break out some context as we go along. But in Luke chapter two, starting in verse 41, it says this, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to that festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I love Jesus' response. He's like, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. I admit, it's kind of a strange story, and uh, I've never preached on this passage before in my life, and part of the reason I've never preached on it is because it's a little bit intimidating to me. And the Bible should be intimidating to you from time to time, by the way. Like, if it's not intimidating occasionally, you're probably not reading it enough because the Bible should challenge you. The, the Bible should confront you on some things. And the reason I was intimidated to preach this, though, wasn't just because of what it said. It was because I wasn't sure how to apply it. You see, every time you read Scripture, you should be asking yourself this question. How do I apply this message to my life? How do I apply this passage? And one of my hopes for you is that if you come to church here, you are always going to get application for your life. Like, I'm not just preaching so you can have a cute little message on Sunday. What you get on Sunday, you should be able to live out on Monday. You can take that to the bank if you come here. So this story, it's strange because this is the only mention in Scripture we have of Jesus' childhood. Like, we know about Jesus' birth, and we know about his ministry, but that space between his childhood, teenage years, all that stuff, this is the only verse that references his childhood. And it's crazy, because the only recorded event we have of Jesus as a kid is when his parents forgot him at a festival. So I want to use this passage today uh, to give you this sermon, and this is my title if you're taking notes, You Don't Know What You're Missing. You don't know what you're missing. You might want to write that down as we get into this message. Now, I have a confession to make, and I can see some of you grip the arms on your chair a little bit when I say that. You're like, what is, what is he going to say? Uh, here, here's my confession. I have a horrible long-term memory, <laughs> like, like I do. Like, lots of times I'll... I'll 
I'll tell stories about my kids in my sermon, but that's not just because they give me such a wealth of material. It's partly because I don't remember enough details about my childhood to tell you anything that would be interesting. And when I hear myself say that out loud, like I don't know if I had some traumatic experiences happen and I've just like blacked everything out. Uh, I've got some repressed memories that I need to explore with the therapist. I, I don't know. But I did, I think, have a good childhood. I mean, as much as I can remember. Uh, it's funny saying that, you know, I, I recognize that this does not work to my advantage because the problem with having a poor long-term memory is, is that I lose every argument with Marissa. Like the one time we argue during a year, like I, I lose that argument because I'll be like, you know the way to, to win an argument. It's like to bring up all the stuff in the past, right? So I'll be like, remember that one time that you did something and I just, I, I can't remember anything that, sh that she did. I'm kind of like Jesus. I just forget all of her past sins. <laughs> it's, it's true. I, I guess that's maybe what stuck out to me about this passage. <laughs> because Mary didn't understand everything that was happening, but she did remember. It says in verse 51, it says that she treasured all of these things in her heart. Meaning like, I'm not going to forget this. Just crazy. I don't even understand it all, but I'm definitely not going to forget this moment. And there's a lot of things I don't remember about my childhood, but one thing I do remember is that I did get left one time. <laughs> I, I did get left behind. And now that I think about it, this might be the reason I don't remember. There's maybe other times. And I've just, just got one of these memories coming to the surface about my childhood. I know my mom and dad must be cringing as they're watching this. Uh, truthfully, my mom would try and spiritualize it. She'd be like, well, son, like we were just trying to make you more like Jesus, okay? Look, I didn't know me trying to be like Jesus would mean you were going to leave me at the travel stop. But, but it, it, it happens. But before you're, you're too quick to judge my, my parents or, or even, you know, Mary and Joseph, um, I just want to ask you to wait before you become a parent, <laughs> before you judge. Because there was one time that I almost forgot one of my children. I, I say almost because, I mean, I didn't really forget. Like, they're still here, all right? It's not like I lost them. They're, they're, they're still around. Um, the worst part about that story is it actually happened at church. So it's literally this scripture that we're reading. They were in the temple with everybody around them. But um, I'm just curious. Has anybody else ever been left by their parents? I just want to know who you're at. Yes, thank you. You're my people. Sarah, I'm going to start a group called Left Behind. It's not about the book. It's not about the rapture. It's just for everybody who has ever been traumatized. But the point I'm trying to make, I will tell you this. Marissa, she makes fun of because she doesn't have that problem. She's never left our kids, never forgotten our kids. She just threatens to leave our kids. Is anybody else, any parents like that? You're like, yeah, I'm going to leave you if you say one more word. See, your problem is you need more grace and forgiveness in your life. That's the issue. But the point I'm trying to make is that all of us can miss what's important and not realize it. Like even if you're not a parent, never had that experience, maybe you can't relate to that part of the story, 
All of us have missed things that matter. Maybe you've missed a meeting. Maybe you've missed an appointment. Maybe you've missed a phone call or a text message. You've missed something important. One thing I know about everybody in the room is all of us have missed opportunities. And that's why I was drawn to this text because I don't want you to miss the opportunity that is right in front of you right now. Because as crazy as the story is, I mean, if Mary and Joseph could miss the fact that Jesus wasn't with them, maybe before we're too quick to judge, we should remember that we can miss it too. I mean, this is crazy. (laughs) How is it that you miss that Jesus isn't with you? I mean, you got to remember, like, Mary had an angel appear to her, Gabriel. It's a crazy moment. Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. He's going to save the people from their sins. It's immaculate conception, a virgin birth. You would think if you had the Son of God, the Savior of humanity as your child, you would keep tabs on where he was at at all times. Sounds like a pretty important task. How is this even possible? But yet, I saw some things in this passage that were helpful to me, and I want to share them with you. And the first thing that caught my attention was the word while. While. It's in the text in verse 43. How did they miss Jesus? And how do we miss the things that matter most? It happens while. And I, I don't have like, bunch of catchy points for you today. I really just wanted to hone in on the text and let the text speak to your heart. Because in verse 43, it says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem and they were unaware of it. It happens while. Say while for me. Just, Just type that in the chat. While, it happens while. While simply means during the same time as something else. It's happening during the same time something else is happening. How do we miss what matters? It happens while. While I was trying to take care of my family. While while I was focused on all these deadlines. While I was trying to make the grade. While I was trying to make the team, while I was buried under all of this work, while I was reeling from heartbreak, while I was going through depression, while everything was chaotic, while everything was in flux, it happens while. That's what's happening here. This is a transitional moment. They'd come in for a holiday, and now they're returning home. And while they're on their way back, they didn't know what they were missing. I wonder what you've missed while. Now, it's worth pointing out that Mary and Joseph weren't doing anything wrong. Like, I want to give them a little bit of credit because I was picking on them and we already know Mary has a good memory, so I don't want to get to heaven and be like, remember that sermon you preached about me? Because I'm not going to remember anyway when I get there. But 
I, I just want to give them some credit because the fact that they're taking this trip in the first place is a big deal. This wasn't like a little Labor Day excursion. Hey, let's go to Fayetteville and eat at Tacos for Life kind of deal. No, this was, this was a big deal. You got to understand, first of all, like in Jewish culture, there were all sorts of holidays and festivals. Like sometimes we get in our mind this idea that the Bible is about a bunch of rules and regulations or that, you know, people, they won't become a Christian because they just think that it's all about keeping rules. It's all about getting things right. But if you ever take some time to study the books where people think of all those rules and regulations, stuff in the Old Testament, like Deuteronomy and Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, these different books, the books of the law, what you discover is that there are a bunch of rules about resting and partying. You see, the people of God should know how to party. You should be the most fun person in your friend group. Like, can I just tell you, church should be fun. Church should be the highlight of your week. You should know how to have a good time. Some of you guys are like, I just gotta tell you, you're not that fun to be around. Like, you sit there with your arms crossed, you don't know how to have a good time. You got to know how to throw a party. Jesus and the Bible talks a lot about it. And it's interesting because within all these holidays and, and all these parties, there were three big ones that the people of God were supposed to keep in Jewish culture. There was Passover. That's the one we're reading about. There was Pentecost. And then there was another one at the end of harvest time. And the custom was these three big festivals that if you were an adult male, you would take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to commemorate this and celebrate this. So that was the custom. What wasn't customary, though, was for you to bring the whole family. What wasn't customary was for you to do it every year. What wasn't customary was for you to do it if you lived 60 miles away like Mary and Joseph did. So can I just point out to you, the fact that they are making this trip is a big deal. It's significant. It tells me that they had their priorities in place, that they were both devoted people, that they were committed people, that they had some discipline. Like, just taking this trip alone, this would be like you planning a two-week vacation because it would have been at least a three-day journey there. Then it was an eight-day celebration. They're not working during this time. They had to save up money. They had their priorities in the right place. And I just want to give them a little credit because, look, I know they misplaced the Son of God. I, I know they left him behind, but it's not like they were negligent parents. It's not like they didn't care. It's not like they were absentee parents. It's not like they didn't pay attention to what was going on. They had good priorities. And I bring that up because you could be missing what matters most and not even know it. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you don't care. It's not because you don't have good priorities or you have poor discipline. No, you could be missing what matters most simply because you're unaware. It happens while. That's why this message is coming to you today, to help you see what you might be missing. Because I wonder if it's possible that you are making plans but leaving Jesus behind. I wonder if you think you're making progress but Jesus isn't with you. 
You don't know what you're missing. You're missing what, what matters. How is it that they could leave Jesus behind? It happens while. And it happens when you're assuming that everything's okay. Assuming that everything's okay. That's in verse 44. Look at it. It says, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. <laughs> how, how do you even get this? It's like, oh, yeah, he's with his mom. Oh, yeah, he's with his dad. Oh, he's with his friends. One translation says, assuming he was with them. Assumption. That's what I want to talk about. Have you ever made a wrong assumption before? Now, assumptions are tricky. I'm not saying that every assumption you make is a bad assumption. There are some assumptions that are necessary. I'm not suggesting that you should live a life of suspicion. That's not healthy. There's some assumptions that you have to make. Like you can't just ask to see your doctor's credentials every time you go see him. Right? You can't check with every pilot every time you get on a plane. There's some assumptions that you have to make. But I bring it up because we can miss what matters when we make assumptions. In fact, I think the three most dangerous words that you can say, the, the three most dangerous words when you're making an excuse or evaluating a situation is this. I just assumed. I just assume those three words will ruin relationships and sabotage your opportunities because I didn't check. I just assumed. I didn't prepare. I just assumed. I didn't look into it. I didn't verify with anybody else to see if it was right. I just assumed. An assumption creates a lot of needless frustration. And I wonder if the reason many of us are dealing with frustrations, whether it's in our family, in our relationships, in our marriage, in our work, in our goals, in our mission, is because we've made inaccurate assumptions about the integrity of our situation. That's what integrity means. It comes from the root word integer. It just means wholeness, nothing missing. I wonder... I wonder if you've made some assumptions about your integrity. You're making plans. You're on your way. I'm good. There's nothing missing. Look, I know this is challenging, but I want to speak really clearly to those of you in the room, for those of you watching online. Is it possible that while you've been doing other things, you've been making assumptions about how close you are to Jesus. I just want to let that sit there for a moment. Making assumptions. I'm trying to help you today because maybe you've assumed that Jesus is with you in what you're doing and you've really left him behind. And I have to confess, like even in this text, I've made some assumptions. I made some assumptions when I was reading it because I assumed that when Mary and Joseph realized what they did and they go back and they finally find Jesus, that their first words are going to be, I'm sorry, we're sorry. It's not what it says. Instead, when they found Jesus, this is what they said. Why have you treated us like this? 
Now, I had to laugh when I read that just to keep from crying because I've done that same thing. I get so caught up in my plans and where I'm going and what I'm doing, and when the outcome isn't what I expect, what do I say? God, where are you in this? How could you do this to me? How could you let this happen? You're supposed to be here. God, where were you? How could you treat me like this? And the reason we ask that question, because we're looking in the wrong place. That's what they were doing. How could you treat us like this? Because they were looking for Jesus in a place where he wasn't. You can see it in verse 44. It says, they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And I thought this was interesting because like we're talking about community in this series and how important it is and how much it matters. And I'm trying to make the case that you need to be in a group. And sometimes the objections that people will bring up is like, well, I would pastor, but I've just got all these other things going on. While. I, I would, I, I know I should, but you know what? Actually, I'm good. I'm good. Jesus is with me. Assumption. Or what they say is, yeah, pastor, I hear you, but I've already got the community I need. I've got my family. I've got my friends. Look, I love family. I'm going to do an entire series on family one day. Family is important. You need friends. I want you to have great relationships. I want your relationships to be better. I want to help you with your relationships. You need friends. But can I be clear? If your family and your friends aren't with Jesus, you're looking in the wrong place. So you don't know what you're missing because what you're trying to find isn't where you're looking. You, that's what stood out to me because we're calling this series Find Your Circle. And when they get to Jesus, he says, why were you searching? Like, this isn't hard. I'm not keeping this from you. I had to be here. I had to be in my father's house. I, I had to be here. And, and some of you don't know what you're missing because what you're missing is here. Now, hear me really clearly. I'm not talking about the physical space building, but I am talking about the space in your heart because I really believe that if this is important to you, that if you want to, you are going to find a way to participate in and prioritize the things that God has for you. We've got all different kinds of groups. We've got groups that are only online because I am thinking about those of you who are not ready to gather yet, those of you who have legitimate concerns and taking precautions, and I don't want you to miss out. So we've got groups that are only online. So wherever you are and wherever you're engaging in this ministry, anywhere in the world, you can be a part of a group. And then there's others of you that, like, I need to be around people. I haven't seen people. I've been shut up in my house. I need to be around community. We've got groups that are meeting in person, and I want you to be a part of them. Then we've got groups that are starting online and meeting in person. So you can, like, kind of test the waters and 
See if you even like those people. And if you don't like those people, find another group. I mean, we've got groups. But let me tell you, if you fail to find your circle, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. And I don't want you to miss the point because Mary and Joseph did. They, they, they missed it. When they finally found him, and I don't know, did you notice where they found him? They found Jesus in a group. Actually, one translation says he was sitting in the center because Jesus has to be at the center of your circle. And they said, when they found him, they said, why did you treat us like this? And he says, why were you searching? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. They didn't understand. They didn't know what they were missing. Didn't have a clue. Mary said, your father and I, we were searching for you. Jesus says, didn't you know? I had to be in my father's house. It's contrasting two things. Your father and my father. They missed it. He's talking about two different types of community. So you can have your work circle. You can have your family circle. You can have your friend circle. But if Jesus is not at the center of it, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. And so I want to close this message with a challenge. Because some of you, I'm, I'm telling you, I believe this is a God word for you. You've been watching, you've been engaging, but you don't know what you're missing. And that's why I want to ask you, first of all, to come out next week. Come out next week to our outdoor service. You don't have to pre-register. You can just show up 9 or 11. You can stay in your car. We've got stuff for your kids. Your kids can stay with you. We're going to throw a party. It's going to be amazing. And you don't know what you're missing. And I also want to challenge you to get in a group. I want to challenge you to get in a group because if you're not in one, you don't know what you're missing. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on more great messages just like this one. If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others with the message of Jesus, go to findvelocity.org backslash give and you can partner with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing week, Velocity. And remember, wherever you are, just keep moving forward.